Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Extension Director for Family Consumer Sciences at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Heather Norman Burdoff, Extension Specialist for Dietetics and Human Nutrition. Welcome, Heather. Thanks for having me back. So, Heather, today's topic is one that I think is going to be of interest to a lot of our listeners, that we're going to talk about strong bones and the concept of having strong bones for life or preventing osteoporosis through or with nutrition. And I want to start by asking maybe the simple question of what is osteoporosis and why is it so important that we're talking about it today? I do think it's important to kind of level set what it is and define it because it's a condition or a a term that we often hear about and people may not know exactly what it is. Uh, They may know it's associated with bone health, but they don't know really what's happening. So osteoporosis is a disease that's diagnosed by a healthcare provider where bone loses its density and it's going to become weak and prone to breaking. So when we say it loses density, it essentially means that our bones become more porous. So that's where we get the name, osteo meaning bone and porous osteoporosis. So when diagnosed, the healthcare team will use your bone mineral density to determine if you have the condition or not. And it can be pretty serious because someone living with osteoporosis could break a bone with even just a sudden movement, a very minor fall that maybe earlier in life would not have broken a bone, and even a cough or a sneeze. How many people are living with osteoporosis? It's actually estimated that one in five women over the age of 50 are living with osteoporosis. And it doesn't just affect women. Uh, One in 20 men over 50 also have osteoporosis. Fortunately, there are many things we can do to keep bones strong and healthy at every age and stage of life. And regardless of where you are in life, there are steps you could take now to help prevent the diagnosis or the progression of the disease. So I think that's good news, Heather. How do I know if I have osteoporosis and are there certain risk factors that I should be aware of? Great. So osteoporosis itself is not painful. So someone may not know that they have it until it's too late or it's too severe and a bone actually breaks. It's actually sometimes referred to as a silent or invisible disease. However, it's not something that happens overnight. It is a gradual process of something that takes place over years throughout your life. It is also not exclusive. It can affect a people of any age, gender, and ethnicity. So I mentioned age in, in both men and women, but there are other factors too that put you at a higher risk that you can't control. So again, if you're ha- a higher age, 50, and 60 and older, Females tend to be at a greater risk. Actually, family history can play a big role. So knowing if other people in your family already have the condition, there are certain other medical conditions and hormonal changes that could increase your risk and body size. So those who are living in a smaller, slender body, they may have smaller, thinner bones, which also could set you up for increased risk. While you may not feel your bones are weakening, some signs and symptoms of the disease could be you know, back pain, chronic back pain, a change in posture, a loss of height over time. And then again, if you've experienced an increased number of bones that are breaking. 
If you are concerned that you or someone you know may have osteoporosis, you can request bone health assessments with your healthcare provider. Um, and this is something that even throughout the course of your life, you know, asking those questions and having that conversation, that's a great step for you to take if you're trying to essentially prevent or uh, prolong the diagnosis of the condition. So let's talk about reducing risk. What can we actually do, as you said, to prolong or prevent the condition? So I, I obviously love nutrition. That is where I spend all of my time and my training, but I don't want to discredit how important some other lifestyle factors are. One that is incredibly important for preventing the progression of osteoporosis is going to be moving your body each day, finding um, enjoyable movement and physical activity, even in small amounts. We also know that strength training is incredibly important as well. Now, it's not that I'm encouraging everybody to go out and lift weights all the time, but even just finding ways to add resistance to your bone, that's going to promote bone growth. So if we put any tension or pressure on our bones, like you would say, if you're lifting a small hand weight, it can really pay off in big ways. We want to encourage people to avoid smoking, using tobacco products, um, trying to limit excessive alcohol consumption. And then obviously we talked about nutrition in the, in the intro, nutrition and a balanced diet is going to be really important. So essentially that one of the reasons we want a balanced diet is because it's going to provide some really important vitamins and minerals that are directly needed for bone health, specifically calcium and vitamin D. So I want to quickly talk about calcium. So calcium is something maybe even young children know is helpful uh, to you know make strong bones and teeth. And it's luckily found in a plenty of foods, most notably in dairy products. But those who cannot tolerate cow's milk also have some food choice options as well. Almonds are an excellent source, fish, specifically sardines and salmon, leafy greens. And then we also see calcium fortified products often on our grocery shelves. So foods that we regularly buy often have calcium added to them after they're manufactured as a way to increase that nutrient in our diet. So common ones are going to be orange juice. So if you purchase orange juice regularly, looking for one that has calcium added is a great way to add it into your diet. So how much calcium should we be consuming? So it's going to seem like a lot, but it is achievable. So from the age four and up, there are recommendations that everyone should be consuming a minimum of a thousand milligrams each day. But really there are simple ways, especially when you see how calcium can be found in such a variety of foods. So here's an example of how you could easily meet your calcium needs for the day. Now I'm not saying these are the only foods you eat for the day, but just showing you how you can incorporate it throughout so if you had an eight ounce cup of orange juice with a breakfast cereal that has calcium also fortified, if you have some yogurt for a snack later in the day, and then maybe for dinner, you have some salmon and on the side, you have just a half a cup of spinach, you have consumed over a thousand milligrams of calcium. So really some common foods and some easy ways to ensure that it fits into your diet. Okay, Heather, this seems doable. Are there other foods or nutrients to focus on? Yes. So we need to bring up vitamin D as well. It's another very important nutrient for bone health. Um, and unfortunately, the majority of U.S. adults, we simply don't get enough vitamin D each day. Vitamin D actually helps the body to absorb calcium better. So if we can look for ways to have calcium and vitamin D in our foods at the same time, then we're going to get more bang for our buck. So we often hear cow's milk is high in vitamin D, especially whole milk at 2% but also salmon, canned tuna, eggs, and again, fortified foods like orange juice and breakfast cereals. So a, a lot of the foods that are fortified with calcium also are going to be a great source of vitamin D as well. 
Now, I should also mention vitamin D can be created in our bodies when our skin is exposed to sunlight. But as we spend less time outdoors, we use more sun protection, which is a good thing. And a lot of us live in parts of the world where the sun simply isn't strong enough. Our bodies aren't able to make the vitamin in the amounts that we need. So this is where we need to be intentional about adding it to our diet. And I will say that here in Kentucky, the sun is only strong enough during the summer months for our own skin to make vitamin D. So the majority of the year, we really need to rely on our foods and our drinks. And so you can see there are several steps we can take to prevent or treat osteoporosis, but really thinking about nutrition and some small food swaps, it's a great starting point for, and there's no, you're not never too old. You're never too young to start thinking about this. And we do have some great resources through extension, and I'll be sure to link those in the show notes. We have a brand new publication that is really comprehensive. It's actually quite long, but it talks really a lot more about than just nutrition, but other ways too, that we can support strong bones for life. Thank you, Heather. As I mentioned at the beginning, I think this is a topic that's of interest, especially to a lot of women, but as you noted, that certainly impacts men as well. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.